Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. That I realize that money is not the gift or the contribution to our society. It's the giving. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. And today I have an extraordinary person, Ruby, who's using technology to completely help essentially save lives and and make people's live uh, living quality better. I will let Ruby get into it. It's really powerful. The resilience that she has demonstrated in being supportive of the community at large is just outstanding. I can't describe it well enough myself. I'm going to let Ruby speak in her words. Welcome, Ruby. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak with you. So, Ruby, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how you utilize technology to truly create meaningful impact in this world. My name's Ruby Yen. I am a technologist and also a social worker, which I'm combining both professions into one for the advocacy of children and the safety of the community and bringing down the violence. And walk us through what that looks like in your world. My God. Um, let me back up to give you a, a synopsis. I'm a former foster kid okay. from LA County. And so being a foster kid, you see violence and you see things that you only don't see from a holistic environment. Right. And um, at 18, I left, joined the military, but my childhood haunted me. Um, and I also saw things that were pretty horrific. Um, my foster sister committed suicide. Whoa. Yeah. She committed suicide because she has too many homes, didn't feel connected with anybody. And I was with her that same day. And three hours later, she's dead. And you had no idea. Well, she was sitting with me. We were literally sitting together in the porch. And she was telling me everything she was experiencing. And it was just her and I. And to this day, I'm thinking, could I said, could have done something? Could I said, you know. And people tell me, well, you're a kid yourself. What could you have done? But here I am today. And I still think about her about to this day. Um, and then three hours later, she went back to her foster home. Drank Jack, uh, Jack Daniels and took a handful of black beauties. And then next thing you know it, she's dead. Um, I thought my life was bad. And well, no, she's was, it was, it was worse. But everything's relative when you go in foster care and you understand um, what violence does to someone. We all have different pain points in our life and how we deal with it. Right. And so that led me to understand, okay, I didn't understand why things happened the way they did. So instead of fighting 
the county or fighting the government or fighting the nonprofits. I'm like, well, you know what? I need to figure this out. So I became a, I got my master's in social work, worked at nonprofit, volunteered homeless and did all those volunteer for the drug and treatment programs. And then I decided to work for Department of Children and Family Services uh, to understand how things work. So I worked all the different divisions of uh, sections. Um, so I got to see it for what it's worth, what it is. And the incredible amount of work that it takes a social worker to negotiate a child safety issue with right. all the bureaucratic processes, including law enforcement, the court system. All I was like, oh, my God, this is monstrous. This is insane. And I noticed that there's a major disconnect across all the different spectrums. And so I, you know, I decided at the same time, in, I'm in the military, by the way. Well, right now. No, no, no. Then, no then, back then, 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 yeah. Yes, because when I emancipated, I'm like, where am I going to go? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You always talk about these homeless youth from, from juvenile camps and yeah. from foster care that end up on the streets. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, um, I had good grades. So the grace of God, I signed up for the United States Air Force. And got accepted and signed up for the boot camp, the whole nine yards, had money for college, saved all my pennies, and was able to go through the college system while I was reserves in the military. So here I am being a social, learning how to be a social worker yeah. and being an advocate in the public sector and yeah. nonprofits and the military. I'm with C-141 cargo planes. I was, you know, being an auto mechanic, yeah. doing all this other tech stuff. Yeah. So I'm learning tech from yeah. the military yeah. while I'm running around providing services to the nonprofits, right, to right. the nonprofits. So I saw, I was living in both worlds. Yeah. And because in the military, I was able to see the power of technology. This is the military, global infrastructure. Right. Delivering goods around the world in a moment's notice. Yeah. Right. And here I'm a social worker in the middle of the night providing services to a nonprofit network and paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and literally walk around with carbon paper and white out. Yeah. I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know? And then the, we, the Avent technology took off. Everybody had a cell phone in their pocket. Yeah. You know, it was beyond the pager system already. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, this is a wonderful tool. Yeah. So I decided, well, I'm going to go back to school and get a degree in computer information systems. Right. So I started to learn computers. I started going to major hackathons, participating. If there was a hackathon for civic good. I don't care where it was. I would throw my book bag, sleeping bag in the trunk. And I would just go. And people would say, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Hackathon. Where? Oh, San Francisco. Well, aren't you working? No, I'm calling in sick. I'm going to go. <laughs> so I amassed over 32 hackathons. I'm just learning of how to go through the ideation process. Because that's what you learn, yeah. right? I'm the person you learn by fire. Trial by fire. So um, I went 32 hackathons is insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you'll see me. If there's a hackathon and it's on the weekend on free, my friends will tell you. I will drop all my plans with them. Even this birthday party, yeah. my, my family, yeah. they see me. Next thing you know, I'm on Facebook and they see me. I'm in <laughs> some hackathon, San Francisco, San Diego, Arizona. I'm like, where are you? <laughs> and wait, wait, you know how hackathons have this certain skill set and you sign up for that role. What role do you usually sign up for? Do you try out different roles? I try different roles. And I, depending on the hackathon, and I, I could read the content. Yeah. And I could see what they're trying to get at. Yeah. So I will tailor a particular phrase. Right. and. You know, yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, also I'm a subject matter expert and I tell people I'm a subject matter expert in nonprofits, uh, government yeah. and service yeah. provision, blah, blah, blah. Totally. It's a civic hackathon. So yeah. you need people like me in the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. So um, I have a, so I met a lot of people and uh, did this whole tech stuff and I continue to do it. So now I am now I'm, I decided, OK, I have a network of tech. 
of a major network of social workers. Right. Right. And so in the in my quest to learn and to create social good, I also understood you could create a mobile app, you could create technology, but if you're not connected to the human health service industry, to the end users, it's, it's, it's going to be a struggle just to launch anything, right? Yeah. So I realized that through a hackathon, literally. I'm like, I saw these hackers getting together. They already had product from a prior hackathon or from a startup, and they're like hitting walls. Yeah. And I was talking with them. And goes, well, I don't know the end user. I don't know where I need to go. I found, like, one thing about these hackathons in the middle of the night, yeah. people are pretty much stopped coding. They're bored. Right. So at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, people are very chatty. Yeah. Um, I would ask them, what what are the projects are you doing? They would tell me. Right. Well, I have the startup, and I'm hitting all these fake walls. And I'm listening to them, and I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, this, this is what you need to do. Right. I would do a schematic. I would do a flow chart. So yeah. this is the people you need to call. These are agencies. And I would Google search certain yeah. agents for them because this is the person you need to call. And they looked at me and I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah. Like, I've been doing, I've been a social worker since 1995. Right. I get the industry really, really well. Right. And so, so I realized, wait a minute. I'm giving away all this knowledge to a lot of people all the <laughs> right. time. Right. You know, and I'm like, well, okay, I need to figure out how to best capture this. Right. So I can benefit other people in a very profound way yeah so through the association process i realized that's where they're where the end users are at the associations not from an, a particular niche in terms of a nonprofit right. or a government building or a government department because that's very small it's, right you know it's very vertical small yeah so there's an association called the national association of social work across the u.s we have over 100,000 members yeah for um for california we just the southern california region we have over 700 members and so um, I met some folks from NESW, and so I became the co-chair for tech for NESW for California. That's so cool. So I represent California. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. So I represent California for, for tech for social workers. That's so cool. So out, now I have a platform. Yeah. The association of NESW. Yeah. And in that process, I got to engage with other members with yeah. the NESW across the United States. Yeah. They had a call out for subject matter experts in technology because they were going to revise the entire protocol for social workers across the U.S. for tech. Right. And so there's there's a book. Um, there's like 15 scholars on that book. But they asked for five auditors for across the U.S. They said, yeah. we, we're seeking the top five in the U.S. I'm one of the top five. That's so amazing. So now I'm this book yeah. that's been authored and issued out to every Social worker in the U.S. and my name's in this book. But you also <laughs> recently produced your first hackathon on your own. Yeah. Walk me through. And where did that take place? In Los Angeles out of Indie Desk. What happened with that? In, in downtown L.A.? Yes. Okay. My thing about hackathons is they're very powerful because they, 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 they are. Yeah. But I noticed how there's a disconnect between the people that create wonderful tech because it's beautiful. I love the experience of the hackathon. I just can't get enough of them. I think they're amazing. Um, really bright minds get together and they give up their weekend. And I think that's amazing. That's phenomenal. But I think there's a disconnect. So also from the sake, from the social work perspective, we have social workers. And I've been in this in social work for a long time that social workers want to understand technology, but they're mm -hmm. afraid. Yeah. Because they see tech and they see they see mathematical computation scores. They yeah. see algorithms. I'm like, oh, my God, that's not me. Yeah. I'm a social worker. I'm a bleeding heart. I want to help the homeless. I yeah. want to help the domestic violence client, but I don't want to do algorithms. Right. And I tell them, no, if you could write an essay, you could write basic code. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
you write your structure, you could do the UX UI, you can do your data diagram, you could do very basic stuff to get your thoughts on paper and right. then work with other people that are a lot more skilled than you and walk you through the process and come up with some really cool stuff. Right. I mean, especially if you want to do an MVP, right? Yeah. Anybody can do that. If you want to have the skill set and you have people that are willing to embrace you yeah. to help you develop that. Yeah. Uh, perfect example is my sister. All right. <laughs> I'll bring her into this. She's probably kicking and screaming. No! <laughs> my sister's also a social worker. Um, she wants nothing to do with tech. And is this your biological sister? Yes, my biological so sister. So you guys went through the foster system? No, together. I was the only one. She was older than me. Ah, okay. She was older than yeah. me. So she, they said, oh, you're going to be 18 soon. You know, we're not going to touch you. Yeah. So my sister's a social worker. My brother-in-law is also a social worker. We all went to Kelsey Long Beach. All, all three of us. I'm like, yeah. hello. <laughs> and... She saw me going on these hackathons. Yeah. She was like, Ruby, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every time I talk with her, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> right? She's like, you're just this crazy fanatic social guy. Yeah. I just don't understand. And I'm like, that's about empowerment. Because you want to empower an agency, a nonprofit specifically. Yeah. The only way a nonprofit exists is through numbers. You need to validate in-service hours. You need to validate the client. You need to validate their dollars spent. Yeah. That's stats. Yeah. That's computers. Yeah. If you get clients on a mobile phone, you connect to the nonprofit, you get real-time analytics. Right. If, if I'm out there in the middle of the night providing services to a domestic violence client, I could grab my phone and find anything and everything I want yeah. and connect that client right there on the spot. Yeah. So I see it in a very basic process for my clients. Right. But I get it from a technological perspective how powerful a database can be. Re- maximize the value of Technology for people that are homeless. You know, anything under the spectrum of human health services. Right. Tech is here. Yeah. But we're not maximizing it. So anyways, circling back with my sister. for She's watching me go to these different hackathons. Right. And she keeps on telling me, I have this app. I have this app. I have this app. <laughs> and I said, like, come with me. Come with me. Or she had an app idea. Yes. App idea. Yeah. Because she works at schools and she does a behavioral assessments uh, for school districts. And her specialty is special needs children. Right. So her thing is, how do I provide the maximum, the potential services to a child, especially children that are autistic, children are falling off the grid. That's her specialty. She wants to make sure these kids are okay. And she lives and breathes for for the advocacy of these kids. And, you know, I I understand that because I'm a social worker and I know what she's doing besides her being my sister. So you could do an app because she has these, all these forms and she has all these check boxes. I said, if you had an app, you could synchronize all this stuff. And she goes, you're right. I want an app. And I said, come to a hackathon. And she said, no, I don't want to go. Come to a hackathon. I want to go. So I, I'm running around and I'm trying to get her to come with me. But she was so afraid because she, for her tech is algorithm right. math. Right. Right. But her voice is actually the same voice, similar to all the social workers that I've come across. Her fear is everybody's fear. Right. All right. And I understood that. And so there was a hackathon about girls in tech. And uh, Heidi Vaquerano is the lead for uh, one of the co-leads for Girls in Tech LA. So she reached out to me and we talked about the hackathon. Say, hey, let's have NASW show up and support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I brought my sister with me. She's so rad. Yes. <laughs> so I asked my sister, Lisa, come on with me. You'll, my friends are there. I'll hook you with my, my techies. I'm going to be there yeah, too. Yeah. She goes there and she actually shows up. And within, uh, she stayed the whole day and she actually came up with MVP for rap. That's amazing. Yes. She actually got to see it. So here she is. You are kind of like the silent mentor to your sister. And then she sees what you're doing with the hackathons. 
And then she utilizes that in order to build out a dream of her own. You're right. And then I went to another hackathon yeah. in uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. And in it, San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco. Yeah. I, was, I was there for any SEBI conference, right? Yeah. And so I want to maximize my time there. So I did a radius of 20 miles of mm-hmm. all the hackathons while I was there. So you was went there. to all of them? No, I, and, I, and I specifically chose civic engagement. I found yeah. two hackathons. Yeah. So I went and I, I'm like, okay, I found two hackathons. So I did my NASW gig. I was yeah. there to speak and yeah. get all these social workers riled up. Yeah. And then after that, I took off to this hackathon. That's so cool. So I went to this hackathon and I just walked in, um, the first one, and it, it didn't fit my vibe. It was too business. Yeah. So I walked out and I went to this other one and it was, um, it was a women inspired. Oh, hack the patriarchy. Hack the patriarchy. Nice. Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going to that one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I went there and I walked in the door and I saw all these tables and I'm like, I didn't have a team. So I walked in by myself. I, I just plopped myself in the, te- the table that first showed up, so yeah. to speak. And they embraced me. And so I'm a social worker. So we start bouncing ideas. I'm from the end user perspective. Then I'm a right. technologist. And we end up winning first place. Amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. So I'm like, wow. Uh, Ruby participated in a hackathon at the White House. Yes. It was the first ever hackathon at the White House with the emphasis of child welfare, foster children. And because I'm a former foster kid, I have a ton of experience in child welfare. And I'm a hacker in hackathons. I was invited. And there was like less than 200 of us. And we all showed up at the White House for two days. And it was an amazing experience to go through the ideation process for the sake of the most vulnerable, our kids. Um, and I, being, I gained a lot of contacts. Um, and it was an amazing experience because that led to other hackathons in other states for child welfare. And I got to participate at that level as well. And through my mentorship through American Public Health, the tech section, uh, the health informatics information technology section, my mentor um, that started the tech section for APHA, American Public Health, let me tell you what APHA is. It's the oldest and largest profession in the in the world. Last year's headcount, we had over 10,000 people and over 140 countries participate. And the, and the creator of the tech section is Dr. Diane Adams. And now she is the United States representative for the UN, the United Nations. And through her, I got to understand the UN and its structure. And now I am going to the UN, to their global summit next month. So I'm really excited to represent the empowerment process through tech for the UN as it relates to a community uh, member, a community advisor. That's so cool. Congratulations. Yeah. So I'm cool. That's I mean, huge. yeah, I mean, you know, I would never thought in a million years as a, being, especially as a kid that I would go to the white house or go to the global summit and hang out with at the UN. I mean, that would, that would be so foreign for me, but to go to the UN and meet with other leaders, community leaders as it relates to the empowerment advocacy of people, from the UN's perspective, it's going to be an amazing experience. And I can't wait to go there, meet with incredible leadership, and then throw my two cents regarding how do we use technology for the empowerment of children and the people that we serve. You know, I've also engaged at government-level meetings, right? high-level meetings, and I meet with directors and the leadership from all yeah. different spectrums and yeah. human health services. Yeah, um, They're afraid of technology right? because they are. Yeah. They don't want to admit it, but they are. Yeah. And it's new. Yeah, because like mo- a new way of doing things. Yeah, well, yeah. Also, when they grew up, they grew up with record players and right, totally you know, eight-track tapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. So they don't get it. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I go to these high-level meetings and I, feel, I'm just, I just sit there, and I'm like, if we could do it this way, you could do it that way. And then I go to the tech side. You know, I've got them. You know, 
I've been invited to hack for the White House. Um, and in that room, I've met folks from high level in tech, from Microsoft and everybody else. Um, I went to Silicon Valley and another hackathon for, and it was, I mean, I go high level hackathons as well. Um, and what I've noticed is a lot of these folks are trying to figure out how to create tech for the consumption of you yeah. know, the nonprofit sector. Yeah. And so I see all these uh, folks trying to break in and there's a disconnect in terms of how do we build the tools that make sense from the point of view when they're coming 50-50. Right. What I mean by 50-50 is this. There's a thing called qualitative and a thing called quantitative. Quantitative is a technological process, mm-hmm. right? We know what that is from a technological perspective. But the qualitative is the empathy, the compassion. Right. What does that mean to, to have, to walk in someone else's shoes? Right. And it's very hard for you to quantify love or yeah. quantify hate. Totally. Right? But there's, you can take, you can pull from the abstract, like say, violence, right? Because right. if you don't have love, you will have violence. Because love equals empathy. More empathy that someone has, the less likely they'll be violent. All right. If, you, if you're just like this. I'm not violent at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you follow? So if you were to take violence for what it is, right? Because I'm a child abuse investigator at nighttime. And so I provide services to 88 cities. So I run around all the different cities. I work with law enforcement. I see what they do with police, fire departments, EMT. I'm in hospitals. So I see, I've literally seen children die. And I've seen mothers die. I've seen fathers die. I literally see them take their last breath. And it is, I, 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 I'm pausing because it is, such a profound experience to hold a man's hand and you're waiting for the ambulance to show up and you can see the, it's the middle of the night. This is a true K, this is a true experience that I had. I'm with this man, I'm holding his hand. I don't know what language he speaks. So, but he looks Latino. So I'm speaking Spanish and English to him. I said, look, I called 911. They're coming. They're coming at a distance. I could see the red lights. I could hear the, the sirens. And within, I say within, 20 yards, he takes his last breath. And I'm looking at him and I'm pleading, please don't give up. They're coming, they're coming. And he dies and I, you just have this profound loss. Um, he was a father. He had four kids. Um, it's, it's just a surreal experience to see someone die right in front of you and or to see the children that are coming through the ER and they are beaten beyond belief because of don't because of abuse and seeing those kids and understanding that they're little and they may not have parents because mom maybe mom has died or dad is in jail but these children growing up and being teenagers and then dealing with the fact when they ask him where's your parents oh my dad's in jail because he killed my mom how does a child cope with that? Or maybe they're, they're able-bodied, but now they're in a wheelchair because their parents beat the crap out of them. Get out. You follow? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah trust me. There's so many things that happen. That I can't, I can't go, go into details, but you, you follow. But if Parents you, beat their kids so bad that they become disabled? It happens. Yes, it does. I'm being, go, to, go online, Google it. You'll find a lot of information about that. There's kids across the, across the United States. You will see kids being disabled by their parents. What? That's horrifying. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the re- but you want to be part of the solution. And so you right. feel that 
in being a technologist, you 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 want to utilize technology in order to be part of the solution. So this becomes less, less, less and less. You're right. And how are you utilizing technology to do that? NASW, for my role in the state of California, we're social workers and that's what we do. A we're social, social workers. Social yeah. workers. But um, there's a disconnect into social workers and technology. So my role is to bring in tech into this world, meaning if there's a hackathon for civic good, invite the social workers there. If there's social workers that have an idea, connect them to people that are UXUI experts. Right. Um, people that are um, social workers are looking at um, risk assessments or looking at um, risks in general. You know, there's all sorts of predictive analytics and data scientists connecting to to that. And so we're actually building, NASW for the state of California, we're building a platform that will connect technologists that have a skill set that would totally benefit the industry of social work. Um, because I'm in both worlds, my job is to be the liaison between both worlds. And I have a group of people that are, are going to help facilitate that process. Our goal is to make sure that social workers are not alone in their quest to help people through tech. We also know we get a lot of applications through social work and right. industry. It doesn't make sense to us. We look at these apps in our hands and the UX UI is so odd yeah. or wrong. And we look at it. We don't know how to complain correctly, so to speak. Now, when you say applications, do you mean like a web application or do you mean like a form? It doesn't matter. I've seen it in all sorts of spectrums. So you've seen it from someone filling out a form to different technology being developed for the industry. You're right. And there's a, and a social worker say, I don't like the way this is. I can't use it. It's I'm clicking too many boxes and they could have just done this. Mm-hmm. Or why, why is this app making me do this when I don't, we don't do it at all? Or they are the labels. The labels are so odd. Right. And we're, and then we have to click through all these different buttons just to get our job done. They don't understand how the workload that we already have to go through all these different click boxes. So you're merging the two worlds. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm getting that a lot. Like, for example, I went to a hackathon, a perfect example. Um, <laughs> and there were some folks creating um, apps for um, social good. And um, a lot of these folks at these hackathons get really, really private with their code. Yeah. And so, but my job is, my job is I want to meet everybody. Right, right. So I saw this group hacking away at the Alexa, right? I right. can see the Alexa tower and they're, yeah. they're totally gunning down. Google's on Alexa, yeah. Yes. They're totally getting into it. Oh, wait, no, it's Amazon. Amazon, Alexa, yes. Yeah. So I try to ask them, because it's a social good environment, I try to ask them, hey, what are you doing? I, I would like to offer, you know, maybe some, some pointers. And they kick me out. They said, Why? no. I, I don't know. I'm like, whatever. Uh, okay, yeah. fine. You don't need my, op- my opinion. That's yeah. fine. But I can tell they're like, had this passion to do whatever they're doing. They were yeah. like, 20, they were burning the candle both ends. I was like, yeah. but I was impressed, right? Yeah. And so at the hackathon, when the judges came in, I know, I know that one of them judges was a was the, the executive director of one of the largest nonprofit for uh, for the homeless, right? For the domestic violence, something right. like that. Anyways, so I positioned myself to see the presentations and the judges. I want to see the interaction. So I saw the group for the Alexa come up. So I'm like, I'm now curious. So they go on this whole process. They show the code. It was amazing. A lot of work went to what they were doing. But they did it for the homeless. And I'm looking at the judge because I could see the judges trying really, really hard to yeah. contain herself. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, 
who in the heck is going to use the Alexis if you're homeless? Yeah. Living in Ethel Bridge. So there's another group that created this app for uh, domestic violence. Well, I understand domestic violence. I volunteer yeah. for the shelters. Yeah. Um, and also respond with domestic violence right, right. victims. They created this app that made, and the whole, the app was transparent. Right. There's a reason why domestic violence shelters are not transparent. <laughs> so you're saying there's just a disconnect between the actualities of the industry and the technology being built for it. And you want to be a conduit towards building effective technology for the industry. You're right, because they're doing it already. Yeah. You got all these folks creating apps. You have companies and corporations going at, at you know, building things. Yeah. And then we get them. And we're holding in our hands this app. You're using yeah. Apple iPad. And we're sitting in front of my keyboard on my office. And I'm looking at this stuff. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I cannot use this. Totally. But if, I'm in a, if I work for a government agency or a nonprofit, I have to do it. Because yeah. now it's part of my workload task. Right, right, right. It's pointless. It has no meaning for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I understand struggle. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, we need to do better than this. Because... Also, the fact when you're using um, building tech yeah. from a technological perspective. Yeah. When I go to a tech event that's sponsored by the government or nonprofit, they focus on data as the thing to fix all our ills. Yeah. Right. But if you really think about technology for what it's worth, yeah. data is the last bastion of the process. Right. Because if your UX is wrong, then your data is going to be wrong. If the labels are the wrong, then the social workers are going to look at the labels and going to misinterpret those labels and put their own input. Right. Your data is going to be wrong. Yeah. If you don't create the infrastructure that makes sense to the actual workload of the nonprofits and things to domestic violence or the homeless, I guarantee you your data will be skewed. Totally. So when I go to these environments, um, I, you know, like we had this event two years ago in Sacramento. All these data analysts from the United States showed up. Yeah. I didn't know that the CEO, the sponsor of this event was sitting next to me. Yeah. And they had this one guy, some some guru in tech, was talking about, you know, how we're going to bring this kumbaya together for the sake of the public service, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he went at length. Like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's what it felt like. Yeah. I'm like listening to this guy. I'm like, this guy doesn't even have a clue. And I'm, I'm literally, and literally without missing a beat, I buried my, my forehead in my, my hands and I'm like this and I'm looking and I'm like, and I said to myself, Oh God, I didn't know the guy was watching me. Yeah. <laughs> and he during break goes, so, um, how come you did that while this guy was talking? And I said, cause he doesn't have a clue. And so far everybody that spoke beforehand didn't have a clue either. And he looks at me and he said, what do you mean? Cause you're just talking about data as being the metrics of everything. And actually it's not. And I went into this process regarding, you know, the quality of the UX and UI, the quality of how do you have engagement from the user's experience from actual field work and what does that look like and bring those folks into, into play, get them to understand certain metrics and have the dialogue um, and have a really profound dialogue in the sense that it meets where the client is actually at because there's a process where you build UX where the, the folks that build tech, they think the client is actually the entity, the nonprofit right. or the government. And actually, no, it's the client themselves. Yeah. So I was talking with this guy about this whole process. And he said, you know what? After a break, I want you to stand up and describe that to everybody. Yeah. And I said, why? And he said, because people in the, the whole room need to hear that. And I looked at him and goes, 
who 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 are you? And he goes, I'm the I'm the CEO. I'm the one that organizes organizations. Yeah. And I'm looking at him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was at the after the break, I said, I'm I stood up and said, the only reason why I'm speaking, because he told me to. <laughs> and I'm pointing at him. And I said, the reason why I think um this needs to be said, based on my boss here, yeah. is when you're building technology for what it's worth, people assume that you get a bill from the infrastructure where it comes from the client's perspective, meaning the agency. We all know when you build tech, you're going to have a failure rate anywhere from 40, 60% right out the door. That's, that's given. If you're focused here the, at the metrics of the nonprofits or government, and you're already looking at 40, 60%, that means the, the reach to the agency, to the client, is now you just now created this major loss because you're, you're missing out that whole yeah. gamut. So I, I, I went into the process of describing what that means. In full detail, but me starting from the, where you're at from a technologist and branching out to the actual concrete of the, you know, the with the trees and the bushes where you're at with the domestic violence totally. and whatnot. And understand that paradigm. Then if you do have a failure rate of 40 percent, you you literally pass the actual focal point of the yeah. nonprofit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So instead of focusing, because if you do it this way, you're you're if I was a nonprofit yeah. and there's failure. Rate, I'm focusing at the, from this perspective. Yeah. If I pass that focal point, now I'm focusing this way. And she's turning around each way. Yeah. You follow? Um, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. It is just mind-blowing the kind of stories that I come across in celebrating women in tech around the world. And what Ruby is doing with her life is not only powerful, but resilient and courageous. And she's such a heart-driven leader. Ruby, how can people connect with you further? I could be reached through my Facebook and LinkedIn profile. It's Ruby Gillen, R-U-B-Y-G-U-I-L-L-E-N. You will see by both my Facebook and LinkedIn have the same picture. And it's, the picture is reducing fatal child abuse through technology. Thank you so much for doing what you do, Ruby, and being so vulnerable, sharing your story. If you guys have any questions and want to reach out to Women in Tech further, be sure to say hello on the socials at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. UpGuard, one of my favorite companies in Mountain View, combines asset discovery, security ratings, and vendor questionnaires for the only complete cyber risk solution. Not only do they keep us safe online, they empower women in tech internally. They focus on hiring female engineers to make sure that we rise to the top. So I welcome you to take a look at their job opportunities from Mountain View to New York, New York to Sydney, Australia. They are a company worth exploring. Their mentorship culture is magnetic. Mention the Women in Tech podcast when you apply just as they celebrate women in tech. We want to celebrate you too. So make sure to let us know when you've reached out to UpGuard and we'll make sure to feature you on the Women in Tech social channels. We believe in you. UpGuard.com. Visit them for yourself. You'll see exactly what I mean. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.